welcome back to Ratchet & Wrench Radio, strategies and inspiration for auto care success. I'm your host, Chris Jones, and today I'm joined by Chris Lawson of Technician Find. Uh, Chris and I are going to talk about a survey he found on Statistica about the eight reasons why people quit their jobs. And we're going to do a little bit of a spin on that and really break down how these apply to auto repair shops. Uh, we're going to do a kind of a data analysis uh, comparing this data along with some data from the Ratchet & Wrench Industry Survey Report and c- come to a consensus on how shops can use this information to ensure that their technicians aren't leaving the job at 4 p.m. on Friday afternoon. So without further ado, here's Chris Lawson. Well, hey, Chris, welcome back to Ratchet & Wrench Radio. Hey, it's great to be here, Chris. Yeah, great to have you back. Uh, last time we had a really good chat about, you know, technician find and the things you do there and about, uh, you know, writing better job ads. Today we're talking about something completely different. But before we dive into that, I'd love for you to reintroduce yourself to our audience because, you know, as you know, over the course of the year, new listeners, new people. So take it away and tell us what technician find is and why you started the company. Sure. Well, my name is Chris Lawson, and I own a company called Technician Find. Uh, What we do is we use creative ads, social media marketing, and direct outreach to help uh, independent auto repair shops find good talent faster. We specialize in technicians. So that's what we do and who we do it for. We work all the way across the United States and even up into Canada. Very cool. So we'll dive, diving right in, you know, we're in the midst of this technician shortage still, you know, and it's seemingly not slowing down. The data doesn't show that it's going to slow down anytime soon. You know, shops have the work, but unfortunately people are, are leaving the industry. Uh, so let's talk about why. Sure. Yeah. I, uh, one of the things that I came across uh, a couple months ago was a really great graph from Statista. And it's why people are quitting their jobs. And they did a study, it was a survey based on 13,382 employees across um, several countries. And it was interesting because even though this particular survey was across a broad range of industries, what I noticed right off the bat was that it's very applicable to the auto repair industry. The reasons why people are quitting their jobs across the board are really, um, there's a lot of... uh, of overlap in these reasons. And, and I started looking at, are these things matching up with what I'm seeing? Because at this point I've talked with over a hundred shops, um, general managers, shop owners, technicians, I mean, over uh, hundreds of technicians. And what we're seeing is that these reasons, these top eight reasons why people leave are, first of all, they're the same reasons why people are leaving auto repair shops. And they're also very preventable. So I wanted to talk about what I'm seeing out there and how you can prevent some of these reasons and, and close that revolving door. Yeah. Well, let's let's break it down. Let's start with the first one, which is a lack of career development and advancement. What are you seeing in the industry in regards to how technicians are feeling about the shops they're in and, and their opportunities to grow within those shops? Yeah, this is a big one, particularly if you have a smaller shop. It's, you know, I'll get on a, an onboarding call with a, uh, a shop owner and he'll tell me, hey, Chris, we don't have a whole lot of places to go. You know, it's me, a couple texts, a service writer, and, and uh, you know, we have an admin person. But, uh, I mean, unless they want to, you know, unless they're going to take my job, there's nowhere for them to go. So we have a, a conversation about that. And there are lots of different ways that you can lay out a career path. And I think really what you want to be thinking about in the mindset is where's the growth? Uh, is this, um, you know, someone who may not necessarily need to get a, a change in position, but are there growth opportunities? 
Are there new skills, new training that they want to take on? Um, are you thinking about opening up a new location? I mean, there's an opportunity if you're opening up a new location. Um, do you have anything like a shop foreman position or like a lead tech position? Or are you open to offering a GM position? If those are things that you have available, this is a career path that you can sit down and have a conversation with them. And what happens a lot of times is I'll be working with uh, an owner who says, you know what? One of the questions I ask in the onboarding is, what are you planning on doing with your business over the next five years? And sometimes it's, hey, you know what? I'd like to have it sold in the next five years. So it's a great thing to just put out there and say, hey, for the right person, there's a pathway to ownership. So those are some of the things that um, you can look at in terms of career development and advancement in the in the company. Yeah. And I think of things like, you know, courses, you know, of course, you know, we've got, you know, parts manufacturers have classes they put on or they put on webinars. We've got opportunity with various organizations, uh, conferences that are put on, but yes. also with, with EVs, there's lots of opportunities for people to get career development there as well, sure. like learning, learning new technology. And then even, you know, like you talk about the smaller shops, I think about perhaps even developing uh, their own apprenticeship program. So that technician has something else to grow into. He grows into, you know, from being in the base to being a trainer within the company, you know, and Absolutely. Tra- train the next group of technicians that are going to be in that shop working. So uh, there are opportunities if you're, if you're creatively thinking about ways to develop your guys and girls, you know, even if, you know, that's not taking a position in a corner office in the shop, if you have no intention of, you know, going multi-location. That's a great point. And, and I think one of the other things is if you have somebody that's, uh, you know, they're, they're moving away from turning wrenches and they want to move more into an apprenticeship, really that's the personality profile of someone who wants to leave a legacy. And if you know your employees and you know that they really want to leave an, a legacy and have an impact on the industry, there's no better conversation to have with them than to say, hey, let's, let's scale back your hours, your production hours, and, and why don't you take on an apprentice and show them the ropes, bring them into the industry. Right on. So the second thing was inadequate compensation. What are you hearing about compensation models, plans, and how people are getting paid in the industry? Well, compensation is always the elephant in the room. Uh, It really is. And since we only work with independent shops, they've typically got a dealer or two in the area that that are offering some pretty outrageous stuff. So um, the way that I approach this is um, you really have to be competitive. You don't have to be the, you know, the, the, the top gun in terms of uh, what you're paying and benefits and all that kind of stuff, but you really have to be competitive in order to have them take a, a second look. So one of the things that I always do, and I do this myself, and I always encourage my clients to do this, is take a look at Indeed. And what I do is whenever we're taking on a new client and in the process of writing the ads, I'll go on to Indeed and I'll look at the first page or two pages if you type in automotive technician or automotive service advisor, whatever position it is, they'll give you a 25 mile radius. They'll show you what all of the ads are looking like. And I just go down the list and I say, okay, this shop's paying this, this shop's paying this, this shop's paying this. And then I get all of the, all of the ads that are posted. I do an average. I find out what the top is. I find out what the average is. I find out what the lowest one is. And that's really what's out there. Um, the other thing that uh, you can see is you can also go on to Indeed Analytics and you can go into Hiring Insights and they'll give you lots of information about what the salaries are, what the averages are, highs, lows, all that type of thing. And we all know that 
you know, if a shop is advertising 160,000 a year or something like that, it's a very unique situation where the tech is probably actually going to earn that. Um, I've seen it and it happens, but what usually happens is, um, they'll get to that, you know, if it's a dealer, they'll get there and they'll find out, oh, well, you know, there's all these hoops you've got to jump through and, and uh, in order to hit that number. But what ends up happening, though, is that's what you're comparing to. So you at least have to have that conversation. Another way that we look at it is, hey, what's your top technician making? And then you just put that as the, the maximum band on your ads. The other thing that we say is, hey, look, are you comfortable having a conversation about a certain salary level? As long as you can guide a technician when you're sitting down with them and you can say, hey, through a product, through a combination of production and efficiency, here's how you can get to that number that you're looking at. If you feel comfortable with that, then that's a conversation that you can have as well. Yeah, I think about you no know, job ads and you know, I see the word like competitive wages, like it's it's like a dead phrase nowadays. <laughs> right. You know, everybody says they pay competitive wages until you walk in the door and find out that they're not yep. so competitive. Yeah, yeah. And and a lot of times what'll happen is they'll promise a quote unquote competitive range. And then when you actually get there, you find out that there's just a lot of barriers to getting there and nobody in the shop is making what they were advertising. So you have to be careful. Yeah. Do you think it's to the advantage of an employer to disclose the wage. You talked about just putting like the highest paid technicians wage as kind of the baseline. Do you think it's to their advantage to do that? Do you think they garner more interest when the number is actually on the ad? Yes. Um, if you're using a platform like Indeed, they make you disclose something. So you can't just, uh, you, you, you have to disclose some type of a salary. And the reality of it is you want to have a conversation because if you're actually having a conversation, then you can get more granular into it. But um, when somebody is looking at the page, you really want to be competitive because that's the first thing they look at. I can tell you by looking at statistics, because we track the statistics of how many people have seen the ads, how many people have clicked, and uh, how many people have landed on the page and viewed the ad, and then how many people have applied. And you can always tell when there's a huge drop-off between the people that have landed on the page and viewed the ad and the people that have applied. If there's a huge disconnect there, it means that there's something they saw on that page that made them lose interest. And typically it is salary. That's a big one. Another one is benefits. And another one is location. Um, another one is the shop. If the shop has a bad reputation, they'll say, oh, it's that shop. And then they'll, they'll bounce. But those are the big four that really signal to me that there's something wrong when there's a huge drop off between the people that see the page and the people that apply. Yeah. I was reading an article last night. Um, on artifact about Gen Z and why Gen Z, uh, mm -hmm. Gen Z, Gen Z, you know, kids are just kind of sitting out on jobs. They'll do the interviews yeah. and they'll just refuse the jobs flat out. And one of the reasons they said, uh, which kind of surprised me, I didn't expect it was a lack of perks. Like it wasn't so much the pay, you know, but it's the perks. And we did a piece last year at the end of the year about shop owners who, you know, say they couldn't pay wages that were really super competitive, so to speak, but they were able to really stack the perks. Um, what are your thoughts on shop owners, you know, providing perks as a way to counterbalance compensation? So the old bring your snake to, to work day. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I think a lot of this is popularized in, um, 
you know, Silicon Valley, they had lots of different perks and, you know, there's places like uh, Google that used to have gourmet meals and things like that. Uh, I think it's a good idea. Um, if you find perks that really align with your culture, with your shop culture, that can be great. I've seen things like um, giving a uh, one day off a quarter or one day off uh, a year to pursue your own community interest. And, uh, you know, basically that's a great way to have more representation out in the community. It's, you know, you can require your employees to bring back pictures so you can post them on social media and show that you're doing a lot in the community. Lots of Gen Z folks love that because they get to be part of something that's bigger than themselves and, and have a community interest. But whatever you do, you just want to make sure that it aligns with your shop culture and that it's not too um, uh, difficult to implement. And some of these things you implement and you get maybe half of the shop that's interested and maybe half the shop that's not. And then it just, it causes more trouble than it's worth. All right. So the next thing was, you know, uncaring or uninspiring leaders. Talk about that one a little bit. Yeah. Uh, there's a great book written by Gino Wickman. It's called um, How to Be a Great Boss. And one of the things he says right from the, the beginning is you can't fake it. Your people will know if you care about them. And it's so true. Um, the big thing that I see is, um, you know, most shops at this point have gone through, they've done their vision, their mission, their values. Uh, they're pretty clear on that. Even if they don't have it written out, they can articulate it to me when we're on an onboarding call. But they haven't gone the extra step and they haven't figured out the why or they haven't articulated the why. And the why is important because the vision, mission, and values can be really dry and corporate, but the why is where you get into the emotion. If you find out the why, you know, why did you start a shop? Why did you buy this, um, this place? Why are you doing what you're doing? You know, I was talking to a, a shop owner the other day and he said, you know what, what we do is um, basically we, uh, we make sure the vehicles are safe and reliable. Because I know that when somebody, um, when their their car is broken, their life stops. And what we do is we get their life moving again. And I said, wow, what a powerful mission, you know, just, just to align with your employees. And then that's what you do is you show your employees, hey, look, we're not just fi fixing vehicles. We are making sure that people's lives get moving again. And here's how what you do on a day to day basis fits in with this overall structure. And and this is the overall vision of what we're doing. And you show each team member how their daily tasks align with the shop's bigger story. And that really brings them in. And the other part is just valuing their contribution. And it, it's so amazing how um, when I'm speaking with technicians, one of the top things they always say is I just don't get any respect. And Respect is such a simple thing to demonstrate, and it's a simple thing to communicate, and it just doesn't happen very often. And it's so important. When somebody feels respected, then they, they do better work, they're more motivated, they're more loyal, and they just feel better about themselves. Yeah, we um, just released a story recently about leadership, right, about communication and the need for shop owners to really understand how each person in their shop interprets their communication. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that we learned in that is through our survey is that, you know, 51% of shop owners aren't even like meeting with their, with their teams. Yeah. And that's such an important thing because, you know, you talk about the uninspired, un uncaring leader. If I have a leader who's not 
taking the time to get to know me or spend time with me or doesn't or or invest himself in me and to some degree well I, I yeah i don't feel cared about i don't feel i feel like you know i'm just here for his bottom line versus us doing something together you know absolutely absolutely that's so important and uh, you know when you when someone feels heard and they feel like their their ideas are being incorporated that makes it a shared vision and and that's really powerful when it's a shared vision versus you know hey you're an employee just go do what we tell you to do i mean it's huge difference yeah so next we talked you know we have got you know lack of meaningful work uh, unpack that one for us yeah. So lack of meaningful work. I mean, this just dovetails right into what we just talked about. The big part of it is um, work isn't meaningful if it lacks context. So if you have identified the why and why you're doing it, and then you've identified where each individual's daily tasks fit into that larger why, now all of a sudden there's more meaning. There's more purpose. Hey, we're doing something together. We're building something together. We're growing together and we're serving together. And that's what really makes it um, uh, makes it a powerful and, and purposeful endeavor. Yeah. I think about some of the shops that we've featured in, um, in our magazine that really harp on that. Like we've had green shops. We've had shops that have social justice, you know, bench to them. And yes, the, the people absolutely love working there because they feel like not only am I doing a job, but I'm investing in my community at the same time. Yes. Like, you know, and I think that's very important as we go forward, because that's really the mindset of the current generation is that they want to do work that, that outlives them, not just to go to a job like older generations where we just kind of grinded it out, <laughs> right. you know, we did what we were told, came yep. home, did it all over again. Like they, like for them, their work has to have some sort of long-term meaning to it. It has to affect lives in some way, shape, or form. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't want anyone listening to this to think, oh my gosh, now I've got to go and figure out some, you know, bigger, larger (laughs) purpose. Uh, (laughs) It's not even that complicated. What it really is, is um, tell them your origin story. You know, I have heard the most amazing origin stories. Uh, You know, I heard one probably a couple of years ago that really stuck with me. It was a shop owner and he says, yeah, you know, I worked with, I worked as an employee, as a tech for, I think it was like 10 or 12 years. And he said, finally, one day I had a, um, I had someone come in, I had my boss come in and uh, they pulled a a vehicle in and he ended up selling them like $3,500 worth of work. And he didn't change any of the parts out. They didn't do any of the work. And the customer paid 3,500 bucks and left. And the owner was laughing and he's saying, yeah, you know, this is what I want you to do with uh, the customers. This is, you know, this is how we're going to operate. And he said, you know what? He walked out that day. He said, I'm never going to take advantage of people like that. I don't know. I don't even know why, you know, he would do something like that, but I'm going to start my own shop and I'm going to do it differently. I want to make sure that we are actually contributing to the quality of the lives of the people that we're serving. And this is not what I want to to do. So just telling your origin story, why you do what you do and, and um, the reasoning behind it can create a very powerful uh, story that people can buy into. Yeah. And then it, it kind of calling back to something we had at Ratchet and Rich Management Conference, we talked about like these social impact shops. Um, mm-hmm. We had a room full of people talking about, you know, the various things that they did to give back to their community. And it was a lot of really cool stories. Like, you know, there was one person talking about like, you know, he came from a single parent home. So he works on the cars of single parents, you know, just helps them out. I love that. Yeah. You know, or, you know, but 
you know, the idea of just using your life experience as part of your mission. It doesn't have, like you said, doesn't have to be a big thing that the shop owner does. It can be just getting in the community and doing stuff with the local high school or whatever, but just finding something that everyone can get involved in or who wants to get involved in something. Absolutely. And and I love that. I love your example because that's really what it's about. It's about using your skills, talents, abilities, resources to help other people. You know, it, it really is. I mean, I feel that I'm most fulfilled when I do that. You know, I love getting on these calls because um, there are things that I'm good at. And when I'm sharing that with people, I feel most fulfilled, you know, versus just, you know, grinding it out. Yeah. So the next thing on the list is unsustainable work expectations. You know, what's what do we got there? Well, the big thing here is having a written position description. So, you know, having the hats, um, that's really the starting point. And it really amazes me. I, on our onboarding calls, I always ask for a written position description. And very few um, shops are able to provide those to me. Uh, and I think that's where it all starts. I mean, if you, um, if someone understands what they're going to be measured against, it just starts off the relationship in a much more powerful way. So starting there, the other thing is having an open door policy. We just, we talked a little bit earlier in this conversation about that. It's, it's about, Hey, look, do your employees feel heard? Are you having the one-on-one regular meetings where they can, where they can talk to you about, Hey, these are the obstacles, you know, as a leader, you know, probably your two biggest, um, uh, responsibilities as a leader are removing obstacles so your team can accomplish their goals and providing vision and leadership and, you know, direction. And if you're not having those one-on-one meetings, then, you know, where's the opportunity for you to find out where the obstacles are and to help your employees be successful. And it's not just being successful inside the shop, it's being successful outside the shop. And really where I see top shops that have really high retention is because they're working on the life aspect as well. They're doing things like life skills training as opposed to just professional skills training. Well, I like that, the whole life skills piece. Yeah, it's it's really important. And um, one of the things that I did is uh, I, I have a... Um, a client who's since become a really good friend and uh, he started something called the life calibration because he was working all types of hours running his shop and um, he ended up having a, a real serious health challenge. And what he said was, you know what, I've really got to stay, start taking care of myself first. So he developed this system called a, a the life calibration that helps you to go through and it's really cool. He has it all in gears. So it's all in gears. And um, what you do is you go through your life and you look at different aspects and you look at where you need to focus in order to take care of the things that are important in your life, not just in work, but outside of work as well. And now he's taking his employees through it and they're just having dramatic transformations. And it's really cool because when we start, when we have to run ads, being able to mention something like that in the ads is really powerful because now you've got a shop that cares about how your life works inside and outside of the shop. So I think that's with uh, unsustainable work expectations. I, I think if you know if you follow those uh, those those um, guidelines, then what's going to end up happening is the communication will be out there, and if there are things that need to be changed, then it can be talked about. You know, it's when things. I think the worst possible situation is when somebody leaves and you didn't see it coming. 
And mm. I, I get that call a lot. I get that call on Friday afternoon. It's like, Chris, my lead tech just quit. You, we got to do something quick. And, you know, I'll have a little conversation about, hey, did you see this coming? You know, it's always better if you've got a little bit of leeway. And they said, no, you know what? I just was completely blindsided. And that's what happens when there's no communication. You don't even know things are going sideways until it's too late. Yeah, I know. I, I know there are certain shops that, you know, will have little huddles every day to go over those expectations. Here's where, yeah. here's where our efficiency needs to be today. Here's where our productivity needs to be today. Here's where we need to be by the end of the week so that, you know, you're not, you know, pursuing goals that you can't sustain. You know exactly where you need to be and you've got the benchmark. Absolutely. Absolutely. You keep everybody on the same page and then um, you, it's, it's always, it's, you know, a lot better to find out there's a problem on Tuesday than to find out Friday afternoon that there's a problem, you know, and there's lots yeah. of problems that come up, you know, <laughs> there's parts problems. There's, you know, there's, you know, Hey, this job's going to take me, you know, four hours longer than I thought it was going to take. There's all these kind of things that happen. So absolutely. I think daily huddles are, are really effective. Yeah. The next one's kind of a big one though, reliable and unsupportive colleagues. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not my fault. It's their fault. Or, <laughs> or the, uh, the, um, the, the perennial battle between the front of the house and the back of the house. Yeah. I, I hear a lot about that. Um, I think the what I've seen really work in this instance is uh, is team building, and one of the things that I've seen a lot of ships shops get away from since the pandemic is they've gotten away from team building, and I get on um, you know onboarding calls is really where I do my deep dives with the shop and and what I'm hearing all the time in the last couple of years is, Oh yeah, we used to do all kinds of things as a team. We used to do barbecues and games and, and, um, outings and camping and bowling and all these things, but we've gotten away from that since the pandemic. And, um, uh, this is a, you know, great example of this. I went to, um, one of my client's weddings last weekend in, um, in, uh, Illinois. And, uh, he had the wedding at his house and, um, you know, we're standing over by, um, by his pool and we're just, we're talking and we looked across over by the, the fire pit and his whole team, they were laughing, they were joking, they were going in and out of the, the reception, they were dancing together. And then they had a, an arm wrestling contest and he went over and he started taking pictures and he said, you know, Chris, this is what it's all about. He says, I'm just so proud that my team is getting together, that they are, they're working together and they're not just working together, they're playing together. And he said, Chris, that's what it's really all about. And I thought that was really cool because that is what it's all about. I mean, when you're friends outside of work and you're doing things outside of work, then inside of work, it's not that us versus them mentality. And that really brings everybody together and makes them more cohesive. And that's what I've seen. And then the other part about this is what I've seen is shops that um, have a good time with or uh, an easier time with this is they build a deep bench. So when somebody does, you know, on Friday afternoon say, hey, you know what, this isn't working out for me. I'm going to you know, go do something else. They've got a list of people they can call. They've got that deep bench or some of my clients call it the bullpen. You know, they've got a list of people they can call that they've already kind of pre-screened that might be a good culture fit. And they can actually go down the list and call them so that they don't have this this um, gaping hole in their staff until they uh, are able to ramp up and start getting some good applications. 
Yeah. And I think also, you know, when you talk to shop owners, a lot of them look, you know, they do the team lunches or they go out for dinner or they do activities together or they go to baseball games. And I know a lot of them attribute it to culture building, but it does, it does transcend culture building because it's like now I'm getting to know someone on a personal level. They're They're not my coworker. Now they're, there's something more to me. Absolutely. You know, and I think that that can't be overstated. It's not like we're not having a pizza party here. We're not buying sandwiches for lunch. We're, we're actually cultivating like relationships in the midst of all this, which is mm. going to help, which is going to help further the business and make everybody stronger together. You know, it really does. It really does. There's just about, it's something about seeing somebody outside of the work environment where you get to learn a lot more about them and you got, get to make a lot more connections. And, you know, for me, it's, I like shared activities or, or structured activities. Um, I hate just going and standing around somewhere, you know, <laughs> I, I, and, and I think a lot of people feel the same way, but having something structured like bowling or, um, you know, uh, you know, I've seen shops do escape rooms. That's a really effective one. Cause they have to work together as a team in the escape rooms, um, uh, kickball leagues, dodgeball leagues, all different kinds of things, softball leagues, all those kinds of things are structured and it gives you an opportunity to get to know somebody outside of the work environment. Yeah, really, really wild story about that. Um, last year, Joe Marconi had written an article, you know, about shop owners being more vulnerable, being more open, hmm. you know, and talking to talking to the team and really showing that they're there. And uh, he said that he was at a, a company picnic and like, you know, they did like a lot of the guys weren't really fond of the boss. And so he said the boss rolled his sleeves up and had this particular tattoo on his arm and it shocked everybody. <laughs> And he sat down and talked to his boss to find out that it was a like a like a brand from being in Auschwitz. And he said the whole oh thing gosh. changed everybody's perspective of the boss. They understood the boss, they understood why he operated the way he did, mm-hmm. why he did things the way he did. And he said there was a lot more empathy for the boss at that point. Wow. That is powerful. Yeah, I love Joe. He's such a great storyteller <laughs> and, and so wise. Yeah, that is a powerful story. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you get to know where somebody comes from when you find out their their life story, their family history, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, spot yeah. on. Spot so, on. Yeah, so next we talk, we got, um, you know, lack of workplace flexibility, which I know is a big thing nowadays. We're talking about four-day work weeks. We talk, you know, we talk about people who want flex time built into their schedules and yep. just a lot of different, like the workplace in 2023 does not look like the workplace in 2019. No. <laughs> and, you know, thankfully, I think people know that they can't uh, phone in their jobs in this industry um, yet. Um, you know, a lot of friends that I have that it, that uh, work in corporate, they're, they're trying to force everybody to get back into the office full time. And they're really they're meeting with a, a lot of resistance. You know, everybody realizes, hey, if you're going to work on a vehicle, you've got to be here um, personally. But some of the things that I've seen are, you know, like you mentioned, if you're working four 10-hour shifts, um, that's a little bit of flexibility. Um, No weekends, you know, that's a big one. I've seen that one. Um, No nights, no weekends. That's a huge draw, particularly if they're coming from an environment where they were working Saturdays and Sundays. Um, It's a big draw for not only the individual, but for their spouse uh, and their families, their kids, too. So that's one. Just time off. And I'm always... um, I'm always kind of, you know, amused, I guess I'd say that uh, a lot of shops have these policies in place, but they just don't talk about them. 
And we talk about them. We talk about them right in the ads. It's, hey, if you're going to give somebody time off for their doctor's appointment and not giving them hassles or if they need to leave early to go to a, you know, a kid's uh, baseball game or soccer game or, uh, you know, if they have things like we mentioned, I uh, mentioned a little bit earlier, community service days where they get a day off to go work in the community and volunteer. These types of things you should have in your ads because that demonstrates your your uh, commitment not only to the community but the commitment to your employees and making sure that their lives really work yeah one of the coolest things i had heard recently was a shop owner talking about uh, they give vacation vouchers essentially because they know that people are going to take their vacation days and just kind of hang around the house or really not do anything fun and so these things are designed to ensure they do something fun because they that's have great. to use them and i was like that's really a, a really smart way to you know make somebody have the downtime not that you're trying to force someone but you're really trying mm-hmm. to encourage them you know hey don't just take your days off to run errands and cut the grass like really take some time off because you deserve it i love that it is and and you get more rejuvenated it, it helps everybody yeah yeah great what a great idea yeah and lastly you know we've got the lack of support for health and well-being which kind of ties into the last comment a little bit but talk a little bit about you know why that's important to people now yeah uh, this is a big one um i mean benefits we all know how important benefits are and uh you know there still are a lot of shops that aren't able to um, or think they're not able to um be able to provide those or afford those benefits but that is something that's really a, uh, a consideration, especially if someone is looking to make a, a jump from a larger shop to a smaller shop. They're going to want to be able to, you know, at least get close on compensation and get close on benefits. So um, health, you know, full health with vision and dental, uh, you know, as close as you can get to that, that's really important. That's something that they, they're looking for. Um, one of the options that's really more affordable is direct primary care. And uh, I do have clients that are taking advantage of direct primary care. It gives them better access, lower cost, and more, um, and more personalized service. Um, Peak Med is one of those options. I have a, a client in Colorado Springs that's taking advantage of Peak Med. And they are just an amazing organization. You actually get to sit down with a doctor for an hour. And they have an intake. And they talk about everything. And it's very, very affordable. He was able to get full coverage for all of his employees. So things like that, I think, are really important to think about because um, it, it's on the top of everyone's mind. You know, you're, if you're working and you're worried about, uh, you know, being able to, um, to meet, a, a, you know, a large uh, health expenditure, then that's always in the back of your mind. They've also, what I've also seen is things like mental health benefits. So a lot of these direct primary care um, arrangements do ha- offer mental health. So if you've got things like, um, you know, if you employ veterans that have PTSD or uh, other types of, um, of mental health uh, uh, issues, they can go and take advantage of that. So they can make sure that they get that handled. And then relationships. I've worked with shops that have actually paid for marital counseling because they they had employees that were having a hard time with their marriages. So they said, hey, look, I'm going to get you six sessions with you and your spouse. Why don't you go and sit down, work through these things, and it's on me. I'm going to take care of it for you. Um, And then also other things like life skills training that I I mentioned earlier and um, financial so supporting financially too, uh, you know, that's, that's a well-being issue. I've had heard of shops that have, uh, basically, um, made personal loans to, uh, to their employees so they could buy houses, um, buy vehicles, 
those types of things, just whatever it is. And, and again, you don't really know what it is until you have that conversation until you find out, Hey, look, what are you trying to do with your life? You know, what's important to you? What are the challenges? What are the problems? What keeps you up at night? Is there anything that we can do to help you outside of the shop as, as well as inside of the shop? And, and that's really where you create that bond. And, and that's when, when I've seen, when I look at a, a shop that really has loyal employees, that's really where I see the differences made is, is the owner or the management has taken the time to find out what's important to them and even go so far as to say, hey, look, you told me that this is something that's important in your life. When we meet for our one-on-ones, I'm going to ask you for updates and I'm going to give you support. I'm going to give you homework. I'm going to give you accountability. And we're going to make sure that you're getting closer, not only to the numbers that we want you to hit here inside of the, the business, but I want you to get closer every time we talk to what you're trying to accomplish in your life. And that's how you create those real solid loyal bonds. Ooh, those are all really good. Yeah, and I, the, the mental health aspect, you know, particularly in this day and age, can't be overstated. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, being able to provide that. I mean, being a technician, being a service advisor, foreman, I mean, those are all really stressful positions. You're dealing absolutely. with you're dealing with a lot, whether you know you're trying to make sure that someone's car is fixed properly and it's safe, and you're dealing with the customer directly and in some instances, uh, you know, being able to have access, like you said, to therapy. Because yep. one thing that I've learned definitely is that you know, if you if you have a challenging personal life, things are hard at home. That's going to seep into your work life. It's going to one hundred percent. It's going to affect performance, and I think it is to a shop owner's benefit to ensure that, like you said, they've got access to therapists, they got access to counselors, chaplains, whatever a person may need to to be fully mentally well, so they can perform the job without worry. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we always, I mean, when I was coming up, it, it was like, you know, you leave your, you leave your, your home at the door when you come into work. And, you know, I don't know if it ever really worked out that way, but that's what we were taught and what we were supposed to do. But uh, in reality, if there's something going on in someone's space, it's always going to permeate through to work and you're never going to be as productive and, um, and uh, you know, certainly happy as if everything was working and, uh, you know, firing on all cylinders inside and outside of, of the workplace. Yeah. And, and that's a callback even to one of the earlier bullets we talked about, just the uncaring, uninspiring leader. You know, Absolutely. it's, 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 it's a, up to a leader to be in tune with that, you know, yes. to be able to understand like, you know, his people or her people and be able to kind of swoop in and say, Hey, look, I, I realized that, you know, you're not having a good day or things are, you know, not up to snuff. Is everything okay? How can we, you like you talked about just that whole idea of just asking that question how can i help really makes a world of difference it does and that's how you get to something before it before it poisons the the entire team because uh you know i'm sure everybody's worked somewhere where there was one person and it's like you know it, it if they called out sick the whole environment was different and lighter and then when they're there the whole environment is heavier and that's how you you end up weeding them out as well and I think today, you know, even with a lot of the things that you can do digitally, like there's there's so many apps you can turn to as well and yes. provide those for your people as a perk, you know, absolutely one of, those, one of those perks. So, yeah. And if you don't know and you need ideas, ask them. Yeah. Just do a survey. I love that. You mentioned that earlier on this call. I love that. You just have a survey. Hey, what's missing? And and then, you know, there are also other things like uh, the like life calibration that walks people through every aspect of their life and and has them discover on their own. Hey, this is what's missing. Gosh, I didn't even realize this. 
I used to love doing that and I haven't done it in 10 years. Why don't I go back and do that again? Yeah, there it is. So yeah, hopefully, you know, this this episode really opened the eyes of, of shop owners, helped them to realize, you know, some of the things that were that are happening around them that maybe they're not so cognizant of and can inspire some good conversation, some action. Yes, I hope so. I hope it adds some value and, and uh, opens some eyes. Yeah, and let's uh, keep technicians and advisors in place and uh, not see pinks, you know, not see people walking out on Friday afternoon. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, Chris, it's been great talking to you again. It's always it's always fun to, to have you on the podcast and just talk about the things that you hear and the things that you find, you know, in the work that you do in Technician Find. So thanks for joining me again. Hey, Chris, I love the work you do and I love mixing it up with you on your podcast. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. And that's going to do it for us here today at Ratchet & Wrench Radio. Uh, I'd like to invite you to follow us on our social media channels on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as subscribe to our email newsletter, which goes out daily. Uh, And you can find that at ratchetandwrench.com. That's R-A-T-C-H-E-T-A-N-D-W-R-E-N-C-H.com. And may the rest of your day be the best of your day. And we'll see you next week.